2: As always, I will give you the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of the week was the Orioles and the Oakland A's making the playoffs, proving once and for all that low-payroll teams can get it done, a la the Tampa Bay Rays in recent years. Been very exciting uh, what the Oakland A's have done after being uh, a dozen or so games out just a couple of months ago is just nothing short of remarkable, and then capping it off by coming back on the final day of the season, uh, Wednesday, late afternoon to beat the Texas Rangers, their head-to-head competitor, and actually win the division, so that they do not have to play today. And the Texas Rangers today will be facing, uh, tonight I should say, will be facing the Baltimore Orioles. Very likable team. Uh, The Orioles really began their run to a shocking playoff spot, not this year, but last September. And I saw it firsthand when I watched them absolutely beat the Red Sox like a drum, uh, in September, which of course ruined the Red Sox season, but served notice for anybody who was watching that uh, the Orioles were a team to contend with and lo and behold, uh, they did it. They pulled it off this year, you know, went pretty much head to head with the Yankees and uh, you know, might have won the division if not for the Yankees having the, uh, the good fortune to end their season playing the Red Sox to put the division away. And that leads right into my low light of the week, which is uh, the Red Sox bungling the only good decision they've made all year, which was yesterday firing Bobby Valentine. Uh, rather than a marriage made in heaven, it was obviously a marriage made in hell. And they couldn't even get his firing right, which, again, was the only right decision they made all year. Uh, I should have never hired him in the first place. But, you know, yesterday after they fired him... Instead of holding a press conference and facing the media like men, they held, quote, roundtable discussions with individual media outlets to discuss the firing. So basically, from start to finish, this dysfunctional organization made every mistake possible in 2012 to sully the 100th anniversary of Fenway Park. My bizarre story of the week under the You Can Make This Stuff Up category is last Sunday's Ryder Cup. I was absolutely glued. I found it just fabulous, fabulous theater, and it was like watching a rerun of the 1999 movie at the Country Club in nearby Brookline when I was there in attendance that Sunday, the day of the Justin Leonard putt. to watch what up until last sunday was the greatest comeback uh certainly in golf history uh maybe in sports history but now that has been eclipsed by last sunday's comeback by the europeans and the difference is very simple obviously that uh, the americans did it at home before a crowd that i'll never forget as long as i live top three sports days of my lifetime being at brooklyn that sunday afternoon and uh The crowd, again, just absolutely off the charts. Uh, It's something about that urban sports passion that I think really brings it out on a golf course and makes it totally unique. It was there in 99 here in Boston, and it was certainly last weekend in Chicago at Medina, uh, right right outside the city. So, again, they did it on the road. The Europeans come in and did it on the road, making it the greatest comeback in golf history. And uh, it was just really amazing to watch. And for me in particular, number one, it was a little sad because I always treasured the fact that I was at Brookline and witnessed that in person. And it was the greatest comeback ever. And now that you, I just can't say that anymore because last Sunday clearly, clearly eclipsed it. And But it was fun for me because... As any of you who have viewed golf tournaments and everything, there's, there's nothing like being there, but it's obviously impossible to keep up with all the shots and whatnot. Um, I, that day, I was stationed pretty much at the 12th green uh, with the likes of President George Bush, both 41 and 43, sitting with Michael Jordan, as the three of them were there together last Sunday, which was great quite a reminder. And also uh, with them that day in Brookline, 13 years ago, was uh, John Elway and Mario Lemieux. So they were literally standing on the same hole that I was standing on because it was a perfect viewing spot. So we got to see a lot of, uh, we got to see all 12 twosomes marching through, and it was just spectacular. A lot of drama occurred on that hole, and from there you could see also the... uh, teeing off on 13th tee, 12th green, uh, it, it was just spectacular. And to watch it there live, you can only see so much, as opposed to watching it last Sunday where there were moments on the back nine on Sunday that were just incredible to watch live on TV, which was just simply switching from shot to shot to shot to shot, uh, every, literally every five ten 10 seconds. It, it was just, uh, wonderful to kind of get what I'll call the Brookline experience, but watching it on TV where again, you could just see every shot and, you know, obviously golf on HDTV is spectacular to watch. So it was just really, uh, a, a fun, fun day. Uh, you know, it's a fun day and, uh, Can't miss viewing when, basically, I was watching that instead of the NFL. Uh, And that's a rare, rare occurrence in my life. Trust me. So, yes, it was just uh, really, really amazing. I said last Friday, after watching, basically, the morning sessions at Brookline, that local boy, Keegan Bradley, who is from right up the road in Hopkinton, Massachusetts, Who plays, uh, who played his high school golf uh, in the exact same league that my town is in. Uh, I said, you know, a potential star is born, and everything he did the rest of the weekend showed that he basically has the opportunity to become what Ian Poulter is and was. Bradley was whipping up the crowd. Number one, he played great. He and Phil Mickelson uh, winning both matches Friday, winning their match on Saturday morning, and basically uh, leading the cheers. It was clear that Keegan Bradley helped elevate Phil's game, which has been uh, not at its best in recent months. And Bradley was just playing to the crowd, and he was delivering on the course. It it was really special to see, and... uh, So, I just, you know, uh, feel very good about what I said last Friday, literally seven days ago at this moment, when I said, you know, Bradley's really showing himself to be something special, and he obviously went on, after last week's show, to just deliver a very special performance. He lost on Sunday, disappointing, but he lost to the best player in the world, Uh, of course, Rory McIlroy, and... That story was bizarre. I thought that that crazy story of him getting the time zone changes wrong and showing up, you know, as we all well know by now, uh, you know, being delivered by a state trooper 10 minutes before his tea time. I thought it just really got the morning off to a crazy start. That, again, falls under the category of you can't make this stuff up. So, uh, you know, as we moved into the afternoon again, it, it was just the highest of high drama, Davis Love has a very interesting first-person article in this week's Sports Illustrated. I uh, read it last night. It arrived yesterday. And uh, a couple couple nuggets in there that I thought were interesting. Uh, didn't really totally answer, you know, like all the questions I had, but it was, you know, it was, it was a little different getting the, again, first-person Account and according to the article, Davis wrote that he had was writing it last Sunday night, uh, hours after the team had given up the Ryder Cup, and uh, so it was interesting. The one one thing that I did find unusual uh, was you know Phil Mickelson, who's great. I've covered a few golf tournaments; he's wonderful to watch and great with the media. But I wasn't a big fan of the way he was clapping for Justin Rose's amazing putts. Uh, you know, on 16, 17 and 18, um, you know, that that was the highest of high competition head to head and although part of me applauded Mickelson's applause of R- Rose's remarkable effort really. Um, his enthusiastic Clapping after Rose nailed a few putts was, uh, just unusual, shall we say. And then Phil stepped up to try to quell what was the obvious big controversy of why he and Bradley were not paired to play Saturday afternoon when they were clearly the dominant American team and were the team that, uh, you know, was just crushing the Europeans. And had they played and won on Saturday afternoon, uh, it might have been just simply impossible for the Europeans to recover from a 11 to 5 deficit going into Sunday. Instead, it was 10 to 6. As we all know, Poulter led the charge to win the, help win those final two matches late Saturday afternoon, evening, which set the tone for Sunday. They had life. When they went to bed Saturday night and had Mickelson and Bradley played Saturday afternoon and won. They might not have. They might not have had the life to come back on Sunday, and uh, so that will be the great unanswered question um, of why they sat out. But Phil stepped up to his credit in the post Ryder Cup press conference Sunday evening and said, you know, he went to Davis Love on the tenth hole and said uh, they were giving it all they had in the morning and they just were not. going to play that afternoon and that was that so with that said as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say it's time to pay some bills so let's take our break and next up will be my weekly call-in expert Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department
0: work. 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sidney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
2: The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And before we get going with this segment, I just want to mention that uh, as soon as the show's over, I'll be jumping in my car headed to Connecticut to cover the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals for the Connecticut Sun, who is uh, hosting the Indiana Fever who beat out the Atlanta Dream to uh, in three games, winning the decisive third game earlier this week. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be an excellent event, uh, a lot of excitement around the Connecticut Sun. Uh, I've been saying for a couple of months, in my mind, they have that championship look. And uh, so I'm looking forward to tonight, and I'll certainly be reporting on that next week. And now I would uh, like to welcome our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Barry, how are you doing today?
3: Excellent, John. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you for joining us. Uh, Well, lots going on. This is uh, arguably the best sports month of the year. uh, And it starts with, in my mind, Major League Baseball playoffs. uh, Two playing games tonight with the new format uh of two wildcard teams um you know a couple of good matches uh Braves and Cardinals got it going around five o'clock and then what I think is really going to be a terrific game is uh, obviously Orioles at Rangers so uh yeah I think the new format worked well Obviously, went right down to the very end, uh, highlighted by the A's beating the Rangers head to head, to win the division, and now the A's get to uh, get to rest while the Rangers have to play uh, a very tough Baltimore Orioles team.
3: Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, I, was, I was, you know, life imitates art, right? I mean, I was actually watching Moneyball last night for like, you know, the eighth time. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those movies that, you know, you, and I think you might agree that, you know, once you see the song, you just have to start watching it. So even though you're in the middle of it. But it's oh, that's yeah, it. I think the A's winning, you know, the real life A's is just a sort of, you know, so money balls just kind of coming true, right? Uh, right. you know, they were in, they were, they were, they were in first place exactly one day through this season. And it just happened to be after game 162. So you know, if you're going to pick a day to be in first place, that's the day to pick, right? So. Um, it's the only yeah, day it's, that matters. Yeah, it's just, it's just. I think, I think there's a lot of people rooting, rooting for underdogs this year. I'm getting that feel, you know. I, I think that, the, I think the A's are getting a lot of love. I think the Orioles are getting a lot of love. Um, the Orioles obviously have to get past the Rangers first, and you know, the new uh, wild card uh, playing format, which, you know, to, to be quite honest, I, I may change my mind when I'm watching the games tonight uh, at my desk at work, but. I think, it's a, I think it's a hard it's a, it's a hard pill for the baseball purists to swallow. You know, to play a 162 game schedule and have it all come down to one game. Now, granted, you know we've had we have had one one game playoffs before. uh, You know, side, you know conference side division champions, league champions, etc. But um, you know to have it, you know pre-planned, and you know certainly you know I'm not sure if I like like the format or not, but I, I think definitely it'll be intense, definitely it'll be, uh, you know, leaving it all on the line. And you kind of wonder, you know, the the, the strategy going in, because, you know, you're playing this one game, to get in the playoffs, and then if you win, well, okay, then who's going to pitch game one of, of, of the division series? You know, how are you going to match up? It kind of depends on, on you know, how you, how you think you're going to match up with that next team. You almost have to have that in the back of your mind, I think, to an extent, while you're playing your play-in game, which totally flies in the face of all conventional wisdom, you know, for a for a playoff game in any sport, right? Because it's, you know the game, the game you're playing is always the most important game. But in this right. case, you almost kind of have to plan ahead. I mean, if you're if if you if you get a lead or if you fall behind early, you know, do so you pull your starting pitcher in the fourth inning? You let him go six. Uh, you know, you get the bullpen in early. Do, do you use other prospective pers- uh, starting pitchers? I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of interesting because. We've never seen this before. We've never seen uh you know, managers have to really come up with some sort of game plan for different uh scenarios during games. So I, I think that part alone would be very interesting to watch to see how things unfold, you know, if if, if games go a certain way or games go, you know, some other way. Um, you know, certainly the, the the Orioles were a big story this year. They they, they challenged the Yankees for the uh AL East crown so you know just about the last day of the season. Uh, the Rangers, you know, uh, having gone to the, uh, ALCS last year, you know, going to the World Series, uh, you know, a lot of those expected of them this year. And it's interesting, too, to have, uh, you Darvish, who's had a great year pitching for the Rangers tonight, uh, going as Joe Saunders, really uh, a journeyman, because, you know, Chris Tillman's off his turn, uh, you know, Hamilton hurt, uh, so, you know, it, if you look at pitching matchup, matchups alone, I think you have to favor, uh, to favor the Rangers in this one. And, uh, in the American, I mean, sorry, in the National League, uh, Chris Medlin has been lights out. But that, uh, the push in the second half of the season, he's been unbelievable. A great, great, great story uh, for the Braves this season, going into Kyle Loach. So, you know, if you're just looking just at pitching matchups, just solely on that, I would say tonight you have to give the advantage, uh, to the Braves and, um, and to the Texas Rangers.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good analysis, uh, yeah, you know, the two-game format certainly debatable, the uh, two-wildcard format, I should say. And, you know, I liked it because I just think, you know, it helped to elevate the, uh, you know, the regular season into going down to the wire and gave a lot of teams hope, uh, thereby creating more interest in a lot of cities beyond what uh, is typical. Um and most importantly, though, I, I just love, you know, one-game playoffs. I mean, when I look back, I mean, to me, one of the greatest sports events of all time, It's a, I remember where I was moment, was, you know, the 78 Red Sox-Yankees playoff game. And from that moment on, I've loved one-game playoffs. And, it you know, in any form it comes, it can be a Game 7, or it can be, you know, a one-game playoff like in 78, the Bucky Dent game, or it can be, uh, you know... Created as it, as it was obviously this year by Major League Baseball. anyway way you cut it, you know, it's must see TV for tonight. And I just think it's just going to, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, there was a game a couple years ago with, I think the Twins and, uh, in a one game playoff, uh, it was just spectacular. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think again, uh, There's nothing like watching a game where, you know, winner goes home, elimination games. uh, That's what sports is all about in my book. So the fact they added another one or built one in, shall we say, that's great. The people who aren't going to like it, obviously, are the two teams that lose tonight and their fans. Then they're going to clearly, you know, talk about all the, uh, the, the downside of the whole, you know, one game playoff. Two wild card team format, but hey, you know it is what it is. Uh, Major League Baseball gave it a shot, and you know this is what we got, and I think it's going to be pretty much fun. So I'm looking forward to it, uh, and then especially knowing that you know it just picks right back up tomorrow. Like there's no break. I like that too. So you, you know it tests depth, to say the least. Yeah, you know. Depth here, here's, in particular.
3: here's another thing too. You know, I think that. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm, the one thing I'm not a fan of is, in the first round is the, the configuration of the home-away uh, schedule. You have the teams with, with, with the better record actually opening up on the road. I think about it, 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 it's bad. It doesn't a make recovery because you know, you, the Yankees, okay, the Yankees were playing play the the, the uh, division series. First two games on the road, the last three games, game five, of course, if necessary, we play the Yankee Stadium. I and mean, I I, 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 I kind of get why they're doing it, but I kind of understand the reason behind it, but I, I'm not, not a fan of it. I mean, I think that you play whole year number one for home advantage, that you should start the series at home. You really should. And, you know, I, 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 I know they're doing it to cut back on travel, uh, you know, but I think to have games one and two at home, if, you're, if, if you have home field advantage and have to decide in game five at home too, is, is huge. But I, I really think, that team should open at home. And here's the other factor too. I mean, now here are the Yankees sitting, you know, having clinched home field advantage in the World Series, you know, having won the division and the uh, champagne and all that. They have to wait till late tonight. That game is going to be over till uh, close to eleven thirty midnight tonight, probably, to see where they have to travel tomorrow for Game One Sunday. So you, you're you're rewarding the wild card team. Really, because they're going to be playing at home. So say that. So say the Rangers win the game. Okay, the Rangers will get to sit at home and wait for the Yankees to come to them. Uh, when it really should be the other way around, right? If you're the wild card team, you should have to travel. You shouldn't have to have a home, a home game to start the next series. I ju- I just think that's just a, 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 a flawed format. So I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see what kind of effect it has uh, on the Yankees and also you know the the, the other division series as well. But I, I just I just think really it's it's kind of unfair. I think I think at least getting out of the box in the division series, you're really
2: giving the wrong team the advantage. Absolutely. No, you make very good points. I mean, what I would say is just, you know, uh, it's the antithesis in, in certain ways of, you know, a lot of the complaints we hear about, you know, the series is taking too long, and a lot of that is obviously due to travel, these playoff series, NBA and NHL included where it just takes so long for, you know, two and a half weeks for a seven-game playoff series. So your, your, your points are great. I mean, the Yankees are clearly in an awkward position. I mean, for them to have to, you know, get on a plane to Texas whenever it is, potentially Texas. That, that's obviously, uh, you know, further than Baltimore, shall we say. Uh, that's a hassle. <laughs> it just is, you know, whether it's late tonight or, you know, Early tomorrow, um, that is a problem. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is, um, it's different. And it's just a little early to say, you know, how it's going to turn out. I mean, again, I think it's just going to be, you know, the results will drive the backlash in, in many ways. I mean, if the Yankees lose, uh, you know, <laughs> Yankee fans are going to be upset with this format, needless to say. Um, but, yeah, you know, and baseball is the kind of game where, you know, a team getting a roll, they're at home, say Texas is just sitting there, they win today, then they beat the Yankees the first two games, and, you know, they're holding a 2-0 lead, heading up to Yankee Stadium with what would have been, obviously, a lot of good things that happened to get them there. And, you know, they, they walk into Yankee Stadium for game three feeling really, really good about themselves. And that can go a long way in baseball, as you well know.
3: Oh, yeah, but then look at, look at two, you know, you, you are, say if Texas wins, okay, you open them up, you, you know, they have, to, they'll get that, you know, what, what i call an unfair home field advantage. Say the Orioles win, okay? You travel all the way to Texas to play one game, okay? And you leave right. everything out, and you know, yep, you have to, you know, try to leave everything out on the uh, field as much as you can while thinking, okay, we win this game. Now we have to, get up, fly home, and you know, it, it, that kind of, that would kind of be the great equalizer, right? If the Orioles win, then you'll have two teams in Game One of the ALDS having traveled to get there. You know, have the Orioles fly home, the Yankees fly down to Baltimore. So, you know, it's it's kind of awkward. You know, the logistics, again, we'll just have to see, you know, what kind of effect the the logistics have on each one of these uh, prospective prospective series. But uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be intense, and uh, you know, it's going to be a quick turnaround, no matter who's playing or where they're going to play. Uh, but again, I, I just don't think it's fair for a division champion to have to, you know, wait until midnight, you know, two days before the game to figure out where they're going to be traveling to. It's just, I just don't think that's fair.
2: Right, right. No, you, you make great points. And, and that's really, I mean, I think part of Major League Baseball's thinking is simply that, you know, it's driving conversation. It's driving controversy. And I'll at least give them credit for trying something new and different, and you know, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Obviously, any team on the losing end of these playoffs or even the first-round series uh, are not going to be happy and uh, they are going to have a lot to squawk about. Uh, but, Barry, with that said, it's time for our break. I know you're sticking around on the other side, and we'll be back in just a minute or two.
0: flagship station for sports
1: voice america sports are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker be sure to tune in to backpacking america's trails with host rob maureen we'll explore some of the most fascinating places on earth in addition we'll talk about backpacking gear including reviews safety tips and more Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: Sports have become a big part of
1: everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports. Featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific,
0: on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak
1: their mind. No holds barred. They need a ass
0: and then move oh, on I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy.
1: He... <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth.
0: We ain't playing around here. Man. Voice America
1: Sports.
2: Three four six nine one four four, and Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post is still on the line with us. And Barry, we were talking baseball and playoffs, so let's continue with baseball. And interested to hear your thoughts on uh, the Red Sox firing Bobby Valentine yesterday, and uh, what a shock! You know, the way right? they handled it. Oh my God! What a surprise! <laughs> I know, shocker. Just a shocker. Um. They handled it in a unique way where after they put out the press release rather than hold a press conference. Uh, they held, quote, roundtable discussions with individual media outlets, uh, many of whom had to wait a while for their turn to sit down with Larry Lucchino and Ben Charrington, not John Henry, by the way. And uh, so it was different, you know. It just, I thought, was, you know... A fitting ending to a grim year. And as I said at the top of the show, uh, you know, Bobby Valentine, the Red Sox, rather than a marriage made in heaven, a marriage made in hell. So I know you have great perspective from Bobby Valentine's time in New York and anxious to hear what you, what you thought about it all.
3: I, I think, I think, it, I, I think the biggest surprise is that it really, you know, took this long for it to happen. I mean, we've been talking all all year about you know what a bad what a bad match it was, and you know, uh, I, I think this this could, this could have happened really at any one of maybe you know six different times during the regular season. Uh, you know, based on based on things Bobby either said or did or acted upon or reacted to, um, it was just it was just. I don't know, you know, it, you know, as you said before, uh, you know, regard, when you were talking about the Ryder Cup, you know, some of the stuff you just can't make up, I mean, you know, but we talked about it all year, it, it, it's like, you know, I, I think the Redskins, the Redskins, the Red Sox had to know what they were getting when they when they hired Bobby Valentine, right? I mean, you know, we've said it all year long, um, he's a guy that he marches to his, his, his own drummer, certainly always has, probably always will, you know, he's got his own ideas about, about about managing, about how he carries himself. He's gonna be an orthodox, he's gonna do goofy things, he's gonna do strange things, he's gonna do crazy things. And I don't think he really cares much what people think about that. You know, and I think there's there's something to be said for that. You know, here's a guy who just believes in his methods and good or bad, he's gonna he's gonna follow those those methods. You know, I, I don't expect that, that Bobby will change if if he does indeed manage again, but you know, uh He's he's let go as as manager. as he's fired. And in true Bobby V style, you know, a lot of guys if they're fired, if they lose their job, public figures, you know, they're going to lay low for a while. You're not going to hear much from them. You know, in true Bobby V style, what does he do? He decides to take a bike ride all around Boston, he's riding his bike all around town. So you know, it's just kind of crazy. With it, and, and, right and with it's the, with crazy, the media. Uh, Sorry yeah, to interrupt, but just, with just, the media,
2: just, like intercepting yeah. him on every street corner, it was bizarre. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's just it's just it's crazy. And, you know, to his credit, when, uh, he's finally, you know, you know, run down for an interview, um, he was very candid, he was very frank, he was very cordial, uh, by all accounts. And, uh, you know, he said, look, you know, it just, it didn't work out. I wish the Red Sox the best of luck. You know, I wish it had been better. I'm sorry it wasn't. And, uh, you know, I would really apologize for the things he did. I think, obviously, more apologizing for the results, because, you know, of course, everybody wants to win. You never want to... Go into a situation where you're where you're where you're going to have a horrendous experience and a horrendous season. Um, interesting. I, I I saw I saw a number that that Bobby Valentine was, was the first manager to manage exactly one season with the Red Sox since 1934. I don't think it was uh, Bucky Harris managed one season with the Red Sox in 1934, and this is the first time that has happened with the Red Sox since then. So you know that 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 that's quite saying something. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly, as you said, a fitting end to a very odd story and, uh, you know, a, a, a divorce after one year of a very stormy marriage. So, um, you know, I guess now the question is, well, who replaces them? And, uh, you know, the guy, the guy that he's talking about is John Farrell, who, who is under contract with the Blue Jays as manager. So I'm really interested to see how they're going to, going to plan to do that. But, you know, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of, uh, hot stove talk early in Boston this year, uh regarding who's gonna succeed Bobby Valentine and the others, you know, the usual suspects are, are gonna line up and you know, as as on the show, you know, uh don't be surprised if uh Terry Francona's name comes up at some point, at least in some sort of discussion. Maybe not if uh, maybe not to, to, for the Red Sox actually bring him in and talk to him, but, you know, for the for it to be batted around because, you know, as as we've said on the show, I think it could be uh it could be a very interesting uh, fit for, for him to come back to this team.
2: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And by the way, before we leave, you, your idea of Terry Francona, which you put out there a number of weeks ago, which was the first time I had ever heard it. And to my knowledge, the first time anyone ever uh, talked about it. And then it was subsequently became, you know, somewhat of a trendy topic uh, among some and was written about as a possibility by some very high-profile baseball writers uh, all after you had first suggested it on this show. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a possibility now, but, uh, you know, again, you know, your idea gained some traction, uh, you know, through the summer, but now I know Mm Franco is interviewing with the Indians if that Mm -hmm. hasn't already occurred even today. But, yeah, I mean... I don't see this Red Sox situation as being anything close to a quick fix. I really don't. I think uh, it's going to take a few years. I really do, despite the fact that they unloaded, you know, a quarter billion dollars in payroll and therefore have a lot of money. But, you know, I think if they frankly try to make it a quick fix to, again, feed the monster, as they like to say up here, which is what got them into this fix in the first place. uh, You know, they're just going to repeat the same mistakes and. End up inevitably uh, with the type of situation that they're in right now. So, um, John Farrell clearly uh, a known commodity here around Fenway Park. Um, the one thing I would say would be simply that you know the team he left just a couple of years ago is not the team that's in place now. That's for sure. Yeah, you know
3: it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a very very interesting uh, off season up there. Just, to say the least. So, uh, we'll, we'll just have to see how that, how that stands out. You know, if, if they are going to, uh, you know, the, 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 the key is, you know, if they're, if they choose to, you know, make John Farrell that target, they'll have to work out with the Blue Jays. And, you know, of course the Blue Jays are not going to, you know, just say, yeah, sure, you can talk to them. I mean, a, a, a division rival, I, I, just can't see that happening, you know, uh, unless they, you know, they, they, they give them, they sweet spot pot in some way. I, I just, I just Find it really hard to believe that the Blue Jays would even allow that to happen. You know, now that's not to say that they could hire somebody uh, maybe for for a year or, or however longer John Farrell's contract runs, but you know that's not that wouldn't be really fair to the guy that that's poured in. So I don't quite know how that's going to work, and uh, you know, and we'll just have to think. It's, it's going to be a really, really uh, interesting offseason in
2: Boston. Oh, it'll, it'll be an all timer, no doubt about that. Uh... Well, Barry, I think we've covered baseball pretty well, uh, certainly the topical stories of the day. It's a great time of year, baseball postseason, running in conjunction with football, uh, and you know the beginning of basketball, but unfortunately this year, not the beginning of hockey. Uh, but in most years, all four sports are going at the same time in the month of October. It's here, and it's, the fun's going to start tonight with the, with the play-in games, and uh, with that said, We'll uh, take our break, and on the other side, we'll talk a little football.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Whitetails Extreme. On this week's program, we'll have the host of High Roads, Keith Warren, and the founder of Crossbow Nation, Jeff Holder. Hey, plus we'll also have Kota founder and CEO, Chuck Matasik, and North American hunter-blogger, Josh Dowkey when we talk about the pros and cons of crossbow hunting. And it's all brought to you by Ram, as always, at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail.
1: Back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, another big weekend of football is also upon us. Uh, and no game is bigger than the one right here in New England, which is, of course, Peyton Manning and the Broncos invading Gillette Stadium uh. At, to face Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, it's it should be special. Um, what are your thoughts on that one?
3: Yeah, it should be. You know, it, it, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see you know you know Peyton coming in for the first time as as a Bronco going against Brady and it's, yeah, I I would expect it to be uh you know kind of kind of a high scoring affair. I would expect to see all the ball flying all over the field on, on both sides, and uh, and we'll see who comes up on top. I mean, I, I think. You know, the one factor, uh, that we, you know, we haven't really talked about on, on the show about the Patriots this year is it looks like lo and behold, they, 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 found a rushing attack. They found a ground game now with the guys that, have you know, with Stephen Ridley and, um, and Bolden. I mean, uh, these guys have both shown that they can, they can really run the ball. And, you know, the past few years, uh, you know, uh, the running game has kind of played second fiddle to, you know, to Brady and, uh, and all his uh, vast army of receivers. But, uh, you know, maybe that's would have to buy products. Of, uh, of Fernandez being hurt, that, uh, that Belichick has chosen to maybe focus a little bit more on the crown game. And, you know, that, that's, and that's always the best way to keep the defense honest, right? You know, if you want to open up a passing attack, you, know, you gotta run the ball a little bit. You know, you can't have a defense just, you know, expecting you to play it one certain way, because then they'll, then they'll key on you, and then, uh, you're not gonna be successful. But, you know, they, they always say a good, good running game opens up a passing game, and vice versa. So, you know, I, I think, the emergence of, of Ridley and Bolden uh in the in the backfield for the Patriots really makes it really you know gives them an edge, um, you know, really a new dimension to something they haven't had the last couple of years. So I think uh you know that's certainly a a feather in the cap of the Patriots. Um, you know and the, and the Broncos I think certainly you have to feel pretty confident the way they've played so far under 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 Payton. Uh you know last week uh you know totally dismantling the Raiders really not much of a contest at all. Uh, they've gotten off to a nice start. So yeah, that, that should be a lot of fun. I'm actually uh, looking forward to that one
2: myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it should just be great. Uh, again, you know, when I think of all the great games, uh, played here and obviously out in Indianapolis between, uh, Patriots and the Colts, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, uh, yeah, there, there's just nothing like it, uh, for creating a big game atmosphere, uh, or, you know, Two of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game, obviously. And, uh, you know, so, you know, having Peyton Manning being in a different uniform will be a little strange, but not too strange. It's still Peyton Manning going against the Patriots and in Gillette Stadium. And, you know, I, I look back on those epic, epic playoff games of Manning and the Colts when they. Couldn't beat the Patriots back, uh, you know, six, eight, ten years ago, and uh, and they're just again some of the best sports memories of, you know, all Patriot fans are those. Uh, I, I always call them the snow on demand games, where literally I attended them, and no sooner did you get in the stadium, and one year literally the it was a typical January day, nothing crazy, and Peyton Manning and the Colts literally showed up in the tunnel as soon as the moment they literally walked out onto the tunnel from from their dome, of course, they being a dome team, it started snowing. And I'll never forget that. It was, you know, and the place just went crazy. And I think that was the day that Manning threw three picks. And it started with, uh, yeah, Rodney Harrison intercepting him in the end zone and finished with Ty Law intercepting him after beating up Colts receivers all day long. So the, the good old days. Uh, at Gillette Stadium with Manning and uh, Brady, and, you know, we're going to get a little bit more of that. You never, you never know how many more of these you're going to get. This could be the last one of Brady or of Manning being in Gillette Stadium, uh, unless the Patriots host them in a playoff game. They're not scheduled to be here next year, the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- these are moments to be treasured by football fans, no doubt about it.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I think, you know, uh, you know, uh, deservedly so, uh, you know, a lot of focus on that game this week. Uh, you know, there are some other intriguing games, but, yeah, to me, that that's that, that, that's easily, you know, the most interesting game of the week.
2: And the weather forecast, for all you listeners that might not be based here in New England, is horrific. I talked about the snow-on-demand games. uh This is going to be a rain-on-demand game. They're talking about a cold, raw rain. It's an absolute lock by every forecast up here. Uh, Temperature dropping from 58, 59 degrees at the beginning of the game, with, again, cold, raw rain coming down, dropping, you know, to 50, 51 by the end of the game. Uh, Granted, we're not talking, you know... We're not talking zero, but we're talking, you know, a nine-degree drop or thereabouts occurring during the three hours the game is played. So uh, all happening. It's a 4.30 start. So it's all happening, you know, uh, as light goes into darkness and all that. Uh, it's going to create a pretty crazy atmosphere. I-, I can just see it coming a mile away. Uh, of course, Manning's no longer with a dome team, and no weather is crazier than that in Denver. I think they had snow this morning, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, but you know, by by any stretch of the imagination, Patriots are obviously a tremendous bad weather team, particularly in the snow, but really in all bad weather, where the where Peyton Manning's record uh, in bad weather is not sparkling, and it's it's going to be again a bad. Pretty rough day up here, uh, for October, shall we say.
3: Hmm. Yeah, well, there's, it's, it's you, you could say it's the same for both teams. I mean, obviously the Patriots are used to playing in bad weather and, uh, and the Colts are not. So, I'm sorry, well, I'm sorry, the, um, the, see, so, so old habits die hard, you know, and the, right. you know, the blockbuster, exactly. right? I, I know but, the feeling. Not, not the first one to say that. But yeah, I mean, you know, now that, the uh, Peyton is not used to playing uh, in bad weather, but you know he's going to get used to it real quick playing out in Denver. So,
2: um,
3: it'll be, uh, that'll, that'll be fun. It'll definitely be a fun game to watch.
2: Absolutely, it's going to be great. And you mentioned, you know, some other great matchups. Uh, undefeated Atlanta going into Washington. Matt Ryan versus RG three. That should be great. Uh, one that's of particular interest to me, which is the Pennsylvania State Championship. The uh, Steelers hosting the Eagles. Uh, I think that should be great. Uh, and yeah, so I think those are the other two headline games. Needless to say, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that Philadelphia Pittsburgh game. Uh, you know, Michael Vick. Uh, you know, he's a fascinating player to watch. He just is. You know, the Eagles are yeah, just, uh, yeah, and
3: edgy. I think I think the. Uh Steelers talk about getting Mendenhall back this week, so that will certainly add a uh, a new wrinkle to uh, to what they can put on the field. And, uh, you know, Vic is kind of an all-or-nothing kind of guy. I mean, he can certainly run the ball. Uh, You know, him throwing the ball is a little questionable at times, but he can certainly uh, get out of trouble. And, uh, you know, that that should be a fun game to watch, too. I agree with you.
2: Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And, you know, Atlanta, you know, I watched the end of that game. Thanks to NFL Red Zone, uh, where they went 99 yards to beat the Carolina Panthers, who could have gone for it on fourth and inches, didn't, punted the ball away. The punter did his job, put the ball at the one wow. yard line. And then Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, you know, this on this week's Inside the NFL, there's some great NFL films uh, footage showing Matt Ryan clearly. Emerged as the team leader, he was going up and down the bench on the sidelines. It was great stuff, stuff we just hadn't seen before from Matt Ryan. Maybe wondered about a little bit, um, and he's also more importantly, he's producing on the field. They're undefeated, and he, you know, as we all know, a few weeks ago beat Peyton Manning and the Broncos in the big Monday night game. And uh, when Manning had three picks in the first quarter, so. uh and then RG3, RG3 in my mind is, you know, the most important newcomer in sports, any sport, in a long, long time. He is just, you know, to say he burst on the scene, you know, is an understatement. I mean, he is just doing it all. And to watch what he did last week, taking them down the field, you know, headsets out. And he just drives them down, calling his own plays, basically. uh, He's special. He, he really is. I, um, I've become a pretty quick believer in him, and his personality is obviously everywhere on commercials. Already, he's uh, he, he's something special.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that, and uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And uh, certainly come a long way, and uh, you know, being a, a force to reckon with for that
2: team for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. So. It's going to be great. College football also has a couple great games coming up. And uh, before we even mention anything, I want to give a just a shout-out to Geno Smith, the West Virginia quarterback. Uh, I interviewed him last year, August a year ago, 2011, during Big East Media Day. I was very impressed with him. I, of course, covered the West Virginia Mountaineers uh, earlier in my career. Uh, when Andrew Luck's father, Oliver Luck, was the quarterback of, of West Virginia. So I covered the first game ever played in uh, the WVU Stadium in Morgantown and loved watching Geno Smith light it up for eight touchdowns, 500-plus yards, uh, 70 points scored against Baylor, and not a bad Baylor team. They were ranked. Uh, that, that was just pretty special stuff. I mean, I... I Again, watching it from a a stadium that I used to uh, cover games in, including the first one ever played when when they brought in John Denver to sing Country Roads for the opening of that stadium. Uh, So it, it was just great. He is special, and clearly he's got a vice grip, I think, on the Heisman. We're under a minute, but I'd like your just quick feedback on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, that game last week was like, it was like a video game, wasn't it? I mean, it was, sure it was, was. There, was there was no defense at all for years. It was, it was doing this really kind of, we were watching that one at the office. It was actually kind of funny to watch because it was like, you know, 80 yard, 80 yard touchdown passes and 70 yard touchdown passes. It was like, it's almost, it was almost like a, a, a skeleton practice field. <laughs> there was no defense even attempted to be played by either team, really. I mean, I, I think just that, you know, uh, West Virginia is playing, played just Slightly be better than Baylor, which really wasn't very good. But, uh, yeah, that just impressed me. as just, you know, just going off. And it was, that was one of the more uh, dominating performances that we've seen in a long time going upon college football.
2: It, it was just amazing. 70 to 63 was the final, so it went down to the wire. It was a one score game. Great stuff. And we're going to find out tomorrow night if West Virginia's for real because they're traveling and playing Texas. Uh, down in Austin. So that is going to be great. And another great game tomorrow night is uh, uh, LSU at Florida, one of the bigger games in recent years at the Swamp. So good stuff. Uh, my pick of the week, though, for appointment viewing is obviously Broncos at Patriots. So, Barry, thank you again for joining us and giving your analysis and expertise. Great job. Thanks for having me, John. All right, Barry. And... Voice America listeners, thank you again for tuning in, and we'll do it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have
0: a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.